This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Oakshade Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man, your host, Welcome to season five. Here we go. This podcast is brought to you by discipline, delayed gratification, and being accountable to yourself. This podcast is about finding the high road, working hard every day, creating the best possible version of yourself. Our values are faith, family, fitness, finances, elk hunting, and career. Our guiding principles are authenticity, transparency, and out hustling the competition. Our podcast is brought to you by Buck Knives, Onyx Hunt, Vortex Optics, Wilderness Athlete, Black Rifle Coffee Company, Crispy USA, Matthews Archery, Kufaru International, and BlackOvis.com. Hey friends, welcome to the Oakshade Podcast. So we're going to sit down and record with Cable Smith of the Lone Star Outdoor Show.com. Check him out. Dude's been podcasting a lot longer than I have. And uh, he's from Texas. He probably has the biggest outdoor Texas podcast out there. Met him at Deer Camp. He's a solid dude, uh, connected via Numa Gear. And uh, we're going to have a conversation all about Texas and, and all the different stuff you can hunt there and talk a little bit about Africa as well. And just get to know Cable. Pretty solid dude, guys. So hope you enjoy the episode. It's a fun conversation. This is the Oak Shape Podcast. What up, guys? Elk Shape Podcast with me, Dan, the fitness man, sitting down with an original gangster when it comes to podcast, TV, radio. This guy's name's Cable Smith. He's got the largest podcast of anyone that I know of in Texas, and it's fortunately an outdoor podcast and hunting, shooting, everything, conservation. Uh, Cable Smith, what's up, buddy? Hey, man. It is great to see you, Dan. Likewise, man. We met in person not too long ago. Yeah. Good times. Uh, you came down to my neck of the woods. And well, I say my neck of the woods, Texas is so damn big. It was actually a five and a half hour drive for me, but uh, yeah, you came down to Texas and we did a little, a little bow hunting 
a little whitetail hunting. And uh, yeah, I think we hit it off. We're kind of like-minded folks. Yeah, man. No, no doubt. And actually, I knew about you um, probably for two years. Jeff Bynum, a mutual friend, said, hey, Dan, you got to check out Cable Smith's podcast because uh, we were coming down to Texas for an elk-shaped camp couple years ago i think we've been to texas now this will be our third year of doing camps down there we love texas i've been to texas four times in 2021 i did a black rifle shoot i did tack i did a camp and i did that hunt with you guys i like texas i've never been to washington so i can't say that i reciprocate that like there was a time when i was like i want to go to uh seattle and experience that but dude I don't know. I, I I think we have that already, and it's called Austin, Texas, and I don't I don't like going there. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, am I not? Am I not being fair to Seattle? I will. Like my wife asked me recently, "Hey, can we do a weekend in Seattle or something?" And I just said, "In the current state of this world, I probably will never go back to Seattle again. I might end up in Seattle's airport." This is this is why me and Dan hit it off. <laughs> But I will not go to the sheeple and hang out and support that. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to get sidetracked. But, no, man, you ain't missing nothing. Like, I, I would four years ago say, yeah, go to Seattle and go to the pier and check out that part. But, um, you know, we're talking about we're talking about Seattle. They they closed down blocks and try to create their own entity. Do you remember that? Yeah, it was called Chaz. <laughs> It was, it was awesome. Like, yeah, we're just going to take over City Hall or whatever it was and re- rename it Chaz. Lawlessness. That's, that's what ensued. Lawlessness. That's my governor that I, and then, you know, we banned spring bear hunting, which we talked about on your podcast. So I was like, Alicia, let's move, please. Like, let's, like, I have a house in Idaho, like with my dad. And I might be like, hey, dad, I'm moving into the house. Do you want me to buy your half out from you or do you want me to pay you some sort of rent? Because I'm out of here. But of course, cable, I have like the dopest setup as far as where where I live. I got an office. I got a gym. I got an archery range out to 100 yards. And I live in town. I live close to the grocery store and the kids' school. So my crystal ball shows I'm not going to move. I'm going to be a Washingtonian. So Isn't that important, though? I, I, I don't think enough uh, you know, can be said about having those things from, from a family's perspective, like being close to town. Like, I would love to move out to the country. Love to. My wife, no. She needs to have a target. Um, so it's like, okay, it's you got to find those compromises that where everyone can maybe not be 100% happy, but if we're all 75% happy, okay. And, and, and Trade-offs. Happy, hey, maybe happy is not the right adjective, but um, content. Contento. And Target is what we call it up here in Washington. Oh, yeah. 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 We, damn, yeah we do too. Damn that place. <laughs> I feel like uh, that's the woman's version of Cabela's. Like, how did I just walk in here? Oh, without a doubt. $300 and come out with a box of ammo and a, a thing of peanut butter pretzels and beef jerky. <laughs> you know, like. I don't know, but I did. <laughs> oh, man. So, what's cool about you is like, as I got to know you in Texas was like, dude, you didn't grow up hunting per se. Like you, you have this, like you have a background in education and radio and started a radio. So I guess tell that story first, like how you got your podcast off the ground. Cause it's super cool. Well, so yeah, I did not grow up around guns or archery equipment, nothing. Uh, my dad outdoorsman, but his version of, of that is bass fishing, camping, trout fishing, gloves going to New Mexico, go trout fishing. 
So I, I was outdoors, but I was so involved with competitive sports, club soccer, baseball, uh, that like hunting was always one of those, like one of those things that was like, I was intrigued by it, but you know, I think we all kind of, I think we all kind of mirror what our old man does. Um, especially my dad, he's a great dad, right? I know he never left me. I wasn't lacking for that fulfillment, but I would seek it out later in life. And so around college, I had some buddies. They were like, bring your lab. We're going duck hunting. And I was like, this dog that I got with a girlfriend who she left, he stayed. Uh, <laughs> this dog hates fireworks. He hates lightning. If you think this, this dog is going to like gunfire, y'all are insane. Plus, I'm like into drinking beer and chasing girls. They're like, no, you're coming, honey. I was like, okay, fine. I guess I better, you know, pick up a couple extra bartending shifts so I can buy a shotgun. I didn't own a gun. I buy an 870, wait some tables, pick up a couple ships, and we go duck hunting. They're all terrible shots, too. Like, they must have not been doing it very long. If they had, they, it was very uninspiring to watch them do this thing. The dog, we met, everyone's missing these ducks, and the dog's just sitting there. I have to tie him to the blind. No, he's never, he's never gone hunting. He doesn't, both of us, like, what in the hell are we even doing here? Finally, someone shoots a mallard. I let old Maverick off of his leash. He looks at that duck. He swims out there, gets it, brings it back. Never gun shy again. All he wanted to do was go hunting after that. I was like, okay, he likes it. This is cool. I'm all in. What's the next thing we can do? When can we come do this again? And uh, yeah, so that's where I kind of, I think I was 20 years old when I bought my first shotgun. Had this, this lab that was my, my buddy. And uh, we, just, we just ran from there, dude. And now... You tell me what, what the season is, and I'll, I'll show up for it. Yeah, you do it all, man. And that's kind of what I wanted to pick that apart. Um, Lone Star, is that the name? Lone Star Podcast? Star Outdoor Show. Outdoor Show. So you asked how I got into that anyway. Um, and so from there, I pursued a degree in radio TV film. And um, I really wanted to do sports talk radio. That was like my, my goal is to sit around and talk about sports, right? But everybody wanted to do that, Dan. And the yeah. guys in major markets that are doing it are getting paid handsomely. So I was a grunt at a radio station in North Texas, like doing overnight board hopping and making $7 an hour, just trying to work my way up the totem pole. It's a dead end, dude. Like those guys that when I left there 15 years ago, those guys are still there. Right. And it was like this morbid thing, like, I guess I'm just kind of cheering for one of them to die. So I yes. maybe take their place. I was like, that's no, that's kind of a weird way to approach a career. So uh, I took a job in East Texas doing, I had my own sports talk show, was doing what I love doing. But my boss was like, dude, all these rednecks out here in Texarkana, Texas, they want you to do a weekly hunting and fishing talk show. And I was like, okay, I've always, I grew up around fishing. I'm now a duck hunter, bird hunter. I'd never even shot a deer at this point. Yeah, seriously. No, yeah. I didn't. And uh, so I started doing that. And then I was like, well, if I'm going to talk about deer hunting, I guess I better like shoot a deer. So I, you know, figure out how to make that happen. And, uh, and by no means was an authority on, on any of these things, but the people that I wanted to interview were, and Dan, the outdoor industry was, the people were so approachable. And I'll give you this one example. I'm in Texarkana, Texas at this small AM talk station, Christian talk station. I call Phil Robertson's house, the duck commander. Miss Kay answers the phone, his wife. I tell her, oh, this is Cable Smith calling from Texarkana. She's like, well, yeah, Phil will talk to you, but he's duck hunting. Can you call back around two o'clock? Call back at two. Hello, this is Phil Robertson. 
is this cable? Uh, yes, Phil. And I'm like, now I'm shell shocked. Like I've watched all of his DVDs and this guy's like giving me this nobody the time of day. And I was just like, this is, this is great. And so we eventually moved back to, to North Texas after a year. And I just started my own show. And, um, thankfully my wife has been very supportive. I know your wife, uh, sounds like a lot like my wife, as far as letting us pursue our goals, our dreams in the outdoor industry. And it was a leap of faith because it, it wasn't a get rich quick formula. It wasn't then it isn't now. Um, but I had to buy the airtime to put my show on, on in Dallas, Texas, and that wasn't cheap and I had no sponsors, you know? And so like actually getting that into, uh, you know, a profitable enterprise, it took, I think maybe after the first 18 months, I finally was in the positive. So my wife stuck with me and, and here we are some 12, 13 years later. I love that. And 18 months to not be red. That's awesome. Reminds me of when I opened my gym. I didn't take a salary the first year. And uh, you know what? I loved it. My wife and I were super poor first four or five years. She's in college. Like, again, she's already got a degree, but she's going to now go into nursing. She's got a shitty job at a community college making 10 bucks an hour. And I don't make any money from the gym. And uh, I don't even like we're living off my savings and she's got debts. And it was uh, stuff that. I look back and go, I'm so thankful for that time in our life. It was actually some of the best times we ever had is when we were the poorest and things were so simple. But to your point, you can't give up on your hustle or your dream. You were chasing your passion and you were, you're kind of carving out your own path. And now look at you, man. Like you definitely have the biggest hunting podcast in Texas, if not one of the biggest podcasts, period. And you've hunted all, like I in twelve years, I you've hunted more than most people do in a lifetime, cable. Uh it's sometimes it's I have to pinch myself and and think about all of those experiences and, and having been to Africa five times in the last four years has been I never even thought I would go to Africa, Dan. Like um, the North American sheep were much more appealing to me, but getting those tags so expensive or drawing that once in a lifetime tag, the odds stacked against you so high that the first time I went to Africa, I was like, wow, this is a target rich environment that is not very expensive. Like you want to shoot a kudu? Okay. $1,500 but it's not a drive up and shoot it out of your truck deal. Like I had this misconception of what Africa was. I thought it was going to be super easy. You just drive around. Everything's flat. You can see forever. You get out of the truck and you shoot the animal. And that didn't really appeal to me. I went more from like a, what's the next thing I can do perspective. I want to experience it. I thought someday I'll go to Africa. I didn't think at 35 years old, I would be now on this path of going to Africa every year. Right. Um, but the hunting, why I like it so much. It's hard. It's when, when we went kudu hunting, which we, that's the one thing I like to hunt every year. It reminds me of our elk. It's in the mountains. It's hours behind glass. Even with the rifle, it's crawling up to a ledge and taking a 350 yard shot. It's um, the only thing they don't do is they don't bugle, but they're there with cows. They're fighting. They're herding up their cows. They're protecting them. They're in thick vegetation. You might have to lay there for two hours prone, which is really uncomfortable. Uh, wait for that bull to come out from behind a tree. 
where he's bedded down. Uh, that kind of stuff appeals to me. And going back to the target-rich environment, well, we're hunting kudu, but, oh, there's a trophy warthog bedded down over here. Now we're hunting warthog. Or we, uh, the spotter, the tracker saw a, a, a herd of, of uh, blue wildebeest over here. Is that something that you're interested in? Okay, well, how much is that? $1,000. $1,000 is a lot of money, Dan, yeah. right? But when you're talking about the experience you could have in Africa for, let's just say, if you had a $12,000 budget, dude, you could go over there and shoot an animal every day for seven days, airfare, gratuity, all of it included, you're done. 12 grand. Have a wonderful trip of a lifetime. People don't, I think people think it's like $30,000 to do that. No, that's less than what you would pay for or about what you would pay for like a, a trophy elk hunt or mule deer hunt. That's the truth. Yeah. So, and that's a lot of reps in the red zone, like uh, a lot of shooting under pressure and taking an animal's life and breaking an animal down and different species, different tactics, different uh, plus experience. Just, man, that's how you fast forward. Uh, I personally have never had Africa on my radar ever because I was under the impression that it would be several thousands and thousands of dollars. But the time frame is so dope, man. Like you go early, like in the summer, right? Yeah, usually in June or July. Although because of COVID, I went in February this year. And dude, the animals had not been hunted in over a year. They forgot what it was like to be persecuted. It was like, <laughs> literally, we got off the plane. The guy at the bar in the airport was like, y'all are the first Americans that I've seen in over a year. Will you please just have a beer or something? We we're like, sure, dude. And gave him a nice tip. They were so glad to have us back in their country, man. And the animals, like I said, they, these animals are freaking smart. But they had gotten, they just forgotten just a little bit. So you kind of had this, this, uh, it was, it was something that I hadn't experienced in a, ever to see animals that were like, not as, not as wary. So that was kind of cool. Went back so, in July and they were all kinds of wary because they'd been hunted again for five months. So what parts of Africa have you experienced? I've done everything on the uh, Eastern Cape of South Africa. And I think that South Africa is the place to dip your toes in the water. Um, I would love to do like, Tanzania, uh, Zambia, Zimbabwe. I would love to do like a leopard hunt, um, something like that in one of those darker, remoter regions, less traveled, less explored areas of Africa. But then that's like, you're talking about the same dollars as like for a sheep hunt or something, you know, the big five other than Cape Buffalo, very expensive things that I don't know if I'll ever get to, to hunt, um, like lion, uh, elephant, and um, I did dart a rhino, which was really cool for the fraction of what it would cost to kill one. Um, and that, and from a conservation aspect, you know, rhinos are certainly endangered. That's not because of hunters. That's because of poachers. Right. But the, the money that I contributed to have that experience went to 24-hour anti-poaching protection on that property to help people, you know, poachers from um killing off the rhino and they don't when they kill them they just cut the horn off and just leave them there it's really a sad sad thing there's just like a legitimate black market going on in africa non-stop it originate yeah the 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 greed and the the fuel for that fire is from asia they believe that rhino horn when ground up can be an aphrodisiac it also can cure cancer dude it's like it's like your thumbnail it's really more it's like a um, it's more like hair. It's not really a, a hard, hard horn when you put your hands on it. 
Um, so they, yeah, they grind it up and think that it makes their wiener hard or whatever it is. And they're willing to pay $200,000 for one rhino horn. So I didn't, I don't blame the, Af- this is the crazy thing. I don't blame the African poachers. Like you're in a, this is a third world country existence. Yes. You are breaking the law. You're also trying to feed your, your, your family. It's like on our Southern border. Do I blame the people that are trying to cross for a better way of life? Absolutely not. I don't, it, the system's broken, but I don't blame people for trying to make a better life for themselves. So, um, it's really a, it's a sad situation. The elephant facing the same thing, but. So on your blue collar African hunt is what I'm going to call it. You're not hunting the big five. Tell us the species that you are able to hunt besides kudu. Yeah. So, uh, Impala you could get for like 500 bucks, both wildebeest species, a thousand dollars or less, uh, springbuck, which is like South Africa's national animal. The rugby team is called the springbucks Rugby's huge there. Um, that's like a three or $400 animal warthog, maybe a trophy, 800 bucks. I mean, you could, you could literally shoot one or two animals every day. A blessed buck uh, could be on that list. Um, see some of the other ones, Eland, a little more expensive, maybe like 2,500 bucks, but you're talking about a, that's a big animal. 2000. I know I, sh- I shot one with my uh, rifle. The first time I went to Africa, I shot one with my bow last year. That was awesome. Holy smokes. I saw one in Texas at a ranch and I was like, that is a giant animal. Yeah. So if you wanted to shoot that Eland in Texas, you would have, you could have gone to Africa and had a whole safari. Same right. with a kudu. It's like 15 grand here for a kudu, uh, probably at least eight or 10 for an Eland. Um, so yeah. Uh, what else could you, a zebra? I know a lot of people are like, why would you shoot a horse? Well, it's not a horse. It's a wild animal. Um, it just happens to, and there's two types of zebras, like a birchal. Oh, there's more. What up? What do we got? Uh, there's mountain zebra. There's birchals. Like you said, there's, uh, uh, Hart- Hartman's there's, oh gosh, I can't remember the others off the top of my head, but there's at least four species just there in South Africa. And there's other ones in other parts of Africa. Um, so yeah, there's quite a, the mountain zebra I think is protected right now. It's so weird. Like the permitting process, the things that are government prevents us from bringing back in, even though they're managed fine over there. It's really a level of, of vanity that I, it pisses me off, Dan, because for the United States to dictate to African countries when they're following our model, because the North American conservation model is the only one that works right in modern times, they're following our blueprint and we're telling them, no, you're doing it wrong or you don't know what you're doing. They damn well know what they're doing. If it pays, it stays. We talked about that in our other discussion, you know? So. Yes. Talk to the listeners of my podcast about how to get opportunity to hunt Texas because my initial thoughts before I ever hunted Texas was, dude, it's 100% private everywhere. It's 100% high fence. Uh, you got more lions in Texas or than any, you know. So obviously I've been a little bit more exposed to it, a little more educated and um, – to me, Texas is a destination. There's several folks that show up to Elk Shape Camp that they've signed up. They're new to hunting in general, and they've come to an Elk Shape Camp. And I am the kind of guy that'll shoot you straight and say, hey, Cable, I know you've never hunted before. I doubt an elk with horns on like a big bull elk with giant antlers is going to be your first kill with a bow. Just shooting you straight, bro. Here's a here's a script. I'm writing you a prescription for Texas. Get your ass down there to that target-rich environment and get reps in the red zone. And I still think it's very valuable for seasoned hunters like myself to come down to Texas, shoot some food, and bring it home. 
and get some reps. So let's kind of look at Texas geographically, opportunity, species, how, how you play the game, how you get down to Texas if you don't live there. So first of all, Texas isn't going to rape you on your, your non-resident license, whether you buy like a three, a five day or like a season uh, license. So like I used to lease land in Oklahoma, Dan, it was a great deal for me. They gave, they had three seasons for, for whitetail archery. Okay. That's $330 for muzzleloader, which is a 10 day season. They gave me a discount, $330. And then if I wanted to hunt the rifle season as a non-resident, even bigger discount, $330. I'm in for a thousand dollars now. If I want to hunt white whitetail deer throughout the season, it was absurd. Like I'm literally an hour across the border and you're raking me over the coals. So Texas isn't going to do that. I can't tell you the exact price of a non-resident license, but it's a four. You just bought one. Yeah, I did. It was a couple hundred bucks and I bought, I didn't buy a day. I bought a season. So I, cause I'm coming back in the spring and it, it, it ends in like August. So I'm good to go till August. What? So like, and you know, I bought my New Mexico elk tag this year. Oh, I think it was 700 bucks, 650, $700, something like that. So number one, that's affordable from a license standpoint. Um, now, it, like you said, only downfall, mostly private land. So you are going to have to probably pony up a little coin for whatever it is you want to hunt. But you're not talking about exorbitant costs here. Hog hunting, dude, you can go if something that's outside of the box, maybe not for a first-time hunter. But if you want to go on a thermal hog hunt and get reps in the red zone, shoot a bunch of animals, I mean, you can do that for $500 for a night have an opportunity at multiple sounders of pigs, take home a lot of food. If you want to, people will frown on this. We don't keep and clean every hog we shoot in Texas. Like, uh, it's just an impossibility. If I kill 30 hogs a year, Dan, what, I mean, I would have to have eight freezers for that. I did thermal. I did thermal in Northern Texas at a Corbin's archery. His buddies took me and Dirk Durham went too. And one of the coolest experiences ever, um, we stayed up all night. I had a thermal set up on a, on an AR 15 and, uh, Dirk had a freaking AK 47 and we were in this doped out rig that had all the things, night vision, everything. I shot a giant and so did Dirk. So did Dirk. It was a invasive species and it was literally, you see what hogs do to, to agricultural and you're like, Oh, I get it. And they're not, they're not invited. So, um, and owners it, like it when you shoot them. They do. Now, is there places where people would like beg you to come and shoot hogs or you got to plan on paying some sort of fee no, to do it? And I'll tell you why. And I had this discussion with a buddy uh, yesterday and we see it a lot on social media, like landowners. This is the general thought from some people. Landowners are so greedy. They have all these hogs. They won't let me come shoot them for free. Okay. So they've got, let's just say, 80 hogs running around on their 1,000 acres that is, that's tearing shit up. You, the weekend warrior hunter that wants access to his land from Friday until Sunday to go out there and drink beer and sit in a blind and, and shoot two pigs, you're not helping his problem. That's not doing anything for him. Killing two pigs out of 80 or whatever the number is that's, that is his problem all he's doing is putting himself up for liability for you to be on his land. Something goes wrong. You run out his roads, you leave trash. I'm not saying you're going to be disrespectful. You probably aren't, but in reality, right. You're hunting for free and you're not doing anything. It's not helping him. There's only three ways to make a dent in feral hogs. It's with thermal. It's with trapping. It's with aerial gunning. That's it. 
the weekend warrior, like, like what I am, I love shooting pigs. I usually shoot one every time I go to the deer lease because we have tons of them. Good Lord. It's not, and we still have tons of them and I shoot one every time, Dan. So I'm not, I'm not helping my own problem now. It's fun, right? I love doing it year round, but no, there's no very few places where you can just actually hunt for free. Even if you think your intentions are great. Um, you know, and then how, how like prolific breeders are pigs? Like, I don't think people understand like two sounders a year is pretty normal for a sow. I mean, two, uh, two litters, sorry. Um, per year. So breeding nonstop. I do think we have kind of reached, we've plateaued like for a long time, there was this fear of like, okay, we've got 10 million feral hogs in Texas in five years. It's going to be 20. Mm, I think we've, we've gotten to a point like hunting wise, trapping wise. Yeah. That, that fear is kind of subsided. And I think we realized like, okay, they're in pretty much every County in Texas. They're going to stay there. But there is a, it's not an infinite population explosion. Like there, it's capped. It's, we've reached that, I think that level, um, which it is, I think it's like 8 million feral hogs, 10 million feral hogs. But um, other opportunities though. Well, let me ask you about javelina because like, so I've been to Arizona a couple of times. I still have yet to, there's just not javelina where I elk hunt. Um, but there's javelina in Texas and I people. I was shocked that there weren't javelina on the place we were deer hunting, to be honest with you. Seriously. Oh, yeah. I, when I asked about it and they were like, no, I was like, that seems really weird to me because that part of South Texas, um, maybe that was just on the fringe of their range, but like drive an hour south, dude, javelina everywhere. Not an okay. expensive thing to hunt either. You could pro- I'll be honest. If you did a whitetail hunt somewhere and paid for that, they would probably just let you shoot javelina. It's just like free. Like they don't, they don't put a lot of value on them. You can't. Here's the interesting thing people don't know. You can only shoot two of them. A year. Really? On your, yeah. It's not like feral hogs. Like they are, they are managed as a game animal. You're really only supposed to shoot two a year. I know people that view them as varmints. They don't even care about that law. I do. I follow all the game laws. Um, but yeah, they're, they don't, people don't like to eat them for some reason. I've eaten them, made tamales out of them. Delicious. They okay. A, they have a scent gland on the back though. You need to remove that like immediately upon shooting them, get that away from the meat. Once you do that, they're fine. New Mexico has them. Arizona has them. And they are like, like, you have to draw the tag. And look at that skull. I wish people could see that. Oh, my gosh. There's a, here's your little javelina. That it's is got, a sweet, sweet got skull. got cutters like a, like a pig, you know. Yep. Can mess you up. Um, but they are a cool, interesting animal. Collared peccary is their scientific or their, I guess, their appropriate name. Well, I think javelina could be a really fun adventure hunt, especially anything with a, like, especially with a bow. Yeah. They're, they have terrible eyesight. They have great sense of smell. But if you play the wind, dude, you can walk up to within 20, 30 yards of them, smoke them. Mm. I'm actually playing, I'm uh, December, in two weeks, I'm going down to a buddy's place, South Texas, and taking the bow for javelina. Okay, you guys have tons of turkey. Do you have the same species, or is there several different? Are they rios? We have rios throughout most of the state. In the eastern part of the state, Texas Parks and Wildlife has dumped a ton of money into eastern turkey uh, reintroduction. It's managed more strictly, so you can shoot four turkeys on your tag. Only one of them can be an eastern. Now, I've never killed an eastern bird because the population density, 
I, I would rather just go chase Rios and, sh- and hunt for Rios. Right. Yeah. And that's what I have on my lease. And so, um, I love to shoot in Eastern, but I probably go to a different state for that, to be honest with you. So you guys also have some predators in Texas that are open range. What do you have? Maybe you can't shoot all predators, but what do you have for predators in Texas? Oh, Dan, that's not a thing. There's not a predator you can't shoot here. It's uh, op- open season on all of them all year long. Mount lion, bobcat, coyote, um, you name it. There's fox. Like there, there is. Uh, they do. We have predator hunting tournaments in Texas. I don't, I'm not in that scene. I would go if someone was like, Hey, you want to go? I was like, yeah, I have a thermal. I'd love to do it. But, um, that's a different, a different breed of folks, I think. And, and good folks. Like I, I love interviewing them, talking to them. Um, but, and I I actually love predator uh, thermal hunting at night. I'm just not into the tournament scene, but we have the West Texas big Bobcat contest winner. I'm shitting you not $60,000. Say what? $60,000 $60,000 for, for the person that brings in the biggest bobcat. It's like a 24 hour tournament to even qualify. You have to kill to, to, to weigh your bobcat. You also have to kill five coyotes or five foxes to qualify. And there's all dip. I, three years ago, I interviewed these, this team, they didn't win, but when, it, when they showed up at the weigh in, they were the real winners because they killed a mountain lion and brought it. Oh in. Yeah. They called in a mountain lion and shot it and they didn't win any money, but you want to talk about bragging rights? Like, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, we have a lot of mountain lions. There's probably some on that place that you and I were hunting. That's what they were saying is if you see one, shoot one. And I'm like, I just can't, I could picture a bobcat rolling through here and definitely heard coyotes, but, um, a mountain lion. Yeah. Yeah. My buddy snared. Now our cats don't get as big. As like, you know, the farther north you go, the bigger things get body sure. wise. Um, but they snared a hundred and forty pound male uh outside of Ensenal last year. And they were just running coyote snares along their fence line. Caught a mountain line. Big hmm. one. And at the same blind where my buddy had named this one buck, this beautiful eight point he was watching for two years, trying to let it get to six and a half years old. He named this deer Chaco. It was dark chocolate antlers. Chaco disappeared caught the mountain lion right in that same area. So, you know, that's why, that's why they were running snares, right? Is just predator control. They're managing white tailed deer. You heard the number of coyotes we have. It's, it's insane. Um, but yeah. Audad. Talk to me about Audad. Now, Aaron Snyder has made Audad hunting cool. I think he, with his Topo Texas outfitter and he guides there now and, um, Audad, it just seemed like they, Put you into really cool landscapes, good topography, like legit out west style hunting in Texas. Call Audad is the poor man's sheep hunt, right? So, what, Cable, what would be, if you asked me the number one thing on my bucket list if money wasn't an object? I would say one of the sheep species, probably Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep. Be number one animal. It's so hard to get a tag. Or you got to have $50,000. Well, that's, that's not a reality for me. I'm not dropping $50,000, Dan. So here's an odd dad that basically lives in the roughest country in Texas. You're going to see mountains. You're going to see all the things that can cut you, poke you, rattlesnakes, all that stuff. Yeah, he frowned there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But they're going to live in the most unforgiving corners 
of Texas. And you might have to shoot long range. Uh, Aaron, you know, has killed him with a bow. That's not, I, I want to be realistic. That's not an easy thing to do. So many eyes on you, such unforgiving terrain. Yeah, I mean, it would be like killing a, a sheep with a bow. It's not an easy thing to do. Um, so affordable, though, like a tenth of the cost of doing a, a traditional sheep hunt. 4500 bucks. You could, you could have a five-day all-dad hunt all day. And it would be a rewarding experience, one where you were like, I earned that. You know, I put in the time. I put in the practice behind the scope, learned to shoot proficiently at 400, 500 yards. And, you know, you're going to be packing it out probably a long way, just like you would on a traditional Western big game hunt. So, yeah, I, I highly recommend that experience. It's not way up on my list, but it's on my list. Uh, Bynum tricked me into going odd-ed hunting on public land in uh, Oklahoma that borders Texas. Uh, and he said that they're there, and uh, I know he listens to this, and he's full of sh**. And so Dirk, myself, and Bynum are just wandering around some public land Oklahoma we could tell that there was some signs. So to his credit, they had been there at one point, but really cool country we were in. My gun, I was just like really intrigued at the, the landscape. And that's where I first saw what hogs do. Jeff was like, I'm like, okay, what happened here? This ground's like rototilled up. These plants are flipped over and it's like, I don't know, a 30 by 30 stretch of dirt that's just like, like ruined. And he's like, that's wild hogs. And I'm like, oh, Okay, now this is this is making sense, and hogs aren't just a Texas problem. So, what about further south? You go to Texas, like does the whitetail hunting gets more. Um, the bucks get. I don't, do they get bigger the further south you go? Or is it, what? How's that work? Graphically, North Texas has big body deer. Like it's nothing to. It's not like Midwest deer where you might shoot. I've shot a deer. I think that weighed over three hundred pounds on the hoof. In, okay, that's in huge. Illinois. So I've seen the big, big bodies. You, know, you like go to Alberta or Saskatchewan. Yeah. Massive bodies. It makes the racks look small. I mean, to me, coming from yep. Texas. Um, but yeah, so North Texas has like big genetics, like big body deer, big racks. You go to the hill country, like Austin, um, even some like close to where we were, like that's that's getting that that region where smaller body deer. You know, like some of the bucks might only weigh 140 pounds. Now their antlers might still be big, but genetically tiny, tiny bodied deer. Okay. Then you get to South Texas, the brush country, we call it once again, big bodied deer. They have completely different diets in South Texas. They eat a lot of mesquite beans, high in protein. Um, they can be again, 180, 200 pound deer. South Texas though, is like the place that like per capita, big bodies and big antlers. And it's expensive to hunt there. Like leases are very expensive. Uh, like I don't think you get on a place for less than $8,000 for the season. So, so the, the buck I killed, we weighed him and it was, he was two twenty. That's a big buck after field dressing. Yeah. That's that's a healthy, a big ass healthy South Texas whitetail. Okay, um, what's that crazy antelope that takes a sh in the same spot every time? That looks black buck. No, oh yeah, you're right. Both do. Yeah, Neil guy. 
Yeah, they're both from India. You guys got them though. Oh yeah, yeah. I've shot. Uh, well, I've shot. I've shot a handful of black buck. I've shot one nil guy, and black buck, very cool animals. Uh, interesting. They can jump, but they won't jump over a fence. They'll like if you had a a a herd of black buck in a low fence, and it's not. If it was barbed wire, they'd go through it. But if it was just like you know a hog wire hog or panels or something. They'll, they're not leaving. They don't want to jump over the fence. It's real weird. Uh, but if you start, like, if you spook one of them, they'll jump. Like, and you can see them, they would jump higher than the, the fence would be. So weird animals, uh, they fight like hell. They're such, they're small, right? I think a buck's probably 100 pounds, 110 pounds. They're not, very, you could throw it over your shoulder and walk, walk with it easy. Um, those are cool. Nil guy hunting, a little tougher. Uh, shot one free range in South Texas. That's a cool hunt that you could do for like $3,000 probably and take home a ton of delicious. I mean, top of the line wild game. No guy is, I want to try it so bad, man. Pound one of the best things you can put in your mouth and, uh, and you'll be hunting spot and stock through a lot of brush. Um, very cool hunting experience. Um, they're a big animal, big antelope. Yeah. Seven, it's about the size of an elk. Like, Six, seven hundred pounds easy for a bull. Now, mm. the, like the the antlers, well, they're not, they're horns because they don't lose them. Uh, people, you know, if you're talking about six, seven inches, you know, that's pretty big. So don't think that you're going to be taking home something that's got this, this massive headgear. So it's like one of those things, like, like a mountain goat, you know, every like quarter of an inch a half an inch like now you're talking about a trophy right so it's right it's more that mindset well how about what i went down for but it was so hard like i i saw i saw a couple axis bucks when i was down there recently i heard axis deer and those suckers did not want to ever come out of the thick stuff like ever and i actually ate axis deer for the first time and i knew that they were i mean the hype is real folks that is on believable wild game meat like top tier um where can you hunt axis in in texas you can hunt axis on tons of high fence places all over texas now in the texas hill country you can hunt them free range there's there's places like you can get on a lease and you could see a red stag walk in or you could have a herd of axis deer actually my buddy in comfort texas last week he owns 20 acres and shot a 32 inch axis deer out of his blind, basically off of his back porch, free range. Um, so geographically, like in that Texas Hill Country area, they're all over the place, behind fences, out of fences. They are prolific. Uh, some people that are like white tail deer diehards don't like them because they'll they'll run the white tail off the feeder. They are the dominant species. They're bigger. But here's the thing, and people might get pissed at me for saying this. I find them to be more wary than white tail. Like you said, they they wouldn't come in. No, they um, would you not. Know they're there. You could hear them. I just think they have something, something mentally that just gives them a little bit of an edge. Okay. So I, I, I don't, it's not to make people mad, but I literally experienced what cable just said for five days straight. I'd hear them. I mean, I mean, they make crazy sounds and I could be like, Oh, and Will was with me. High pitched whine. Like Baku e-bikes. These guys provide awesome e-bikes for the mountains. I use them out West specifically logging roads. They have more torque than any other e-bike competitor. They're built for hunters by hunters. They're an awesome brand to work with out of Salt Lake city. Check them out at Baku.com. 
BlackOvis.com is where I buy all my hunting gear. I have a discount code that I use myself. It is elk shape. It takes 10% off. Their shipping is fast and free. Their selection is vast and deep. Go to blackovis.com. Check out their full lineup of clothing, footwear, optics, archery, arrows, camping, and all the brands. Spy Point Trail Cameras, the world's number one cellular trail camera brand. Extremely affordable. My favorite is the Link Micro LTE, the smallest Best value camera, dependable, reliable. Go to spypoint.com and check out all their options when it comes to trail cameras and accessories. Kafaru International, my good homeboy, Aaron Snyder and Frank the Tank. These guys are American made, 100%. I typically use the Hoodlum, the 22 Mag or the Striker XL in the backcountry. The frame is second to none. Head over to Kufaru International. Be sure to check out their packs, their frames, tents, shelters, sleeping systems, stoves, lots of accessories, as well as closeouts. You won't be disappointed. Matthews Archery. Introducing the all-new V3X. You have a 29 and 33 option. These guys are out of Sparta, Wisconsin. Head over to MatthewsInc.com. Click the bow builder and start customizing your next awesome bow hunting rig. Crispy USA. Head over to crispyus.com, peruse the vast selection of awesome boots from mountaineering, backpacking, and of course, my favorite, the Colorado GTX for elk hunting. There are also some good options for everyday wear, like my daily driver, the Ativa Mid GTX. And then if you're into stocking like I am, look no further than the Laponia GTX. Check out the core boot lineup. Everything starts from the ground up on your next adventure. Choose wisely. Be sure to check out crispyus.com. Yeah. And, I'm, and Will's like, okay. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's under 50 yards right behind us. Like, he, should I get ready? And he's like, uh, I don't think they'll come out. I don't think you'll see him yet. The deer came out nonstop. So what I experienced was the axis deer did not, would not cooperate. And that was, Will also told me that they can jump fences like high fences. And I was like, what is that true? I've never personally seen seen him jump a fence, no. But it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. But Will's out of Fredericksburg, Texas, and they're covered up everywhere. Like, oh yeah, he probably sees them on the road just driving around, like. And they're dead on the road. They get hit by cars nonstop. Um, if it's a buck. Just, it won't have a head for long. I'll tell you that. They uh, right. They I see tons of them just with their with their antlers cut off because they do actually. Um, they're from India as well, but they have antlers as opposed to horns they do drop their antlers every year are they like in hawaii i've hunted maui and i've i've been on them and you'd have like when i went i can't remember the time of year but it was a couple months before their rut in june late may and there was most of the bucks were in velvet but there would be like bucks hard horned and is that the same deal in texas where it's like kind of weird it is weird because you'll have like based on when they were born and i don't know how like originally that got screwed up, right? At, at one point in time, they all had to breed at the same time in India. But maybe in like bringing them over here or bringing them to Hawaii, somehow that got off kilter. And so you'll have hardhorn bucks all year. You'll have uh, velvet bucks, not all year, but you know, periodically. And then you'll have bucks that have dropped their antlers um, throughout the year. It's weird because the, you'll go hunt the same ranch and you're like, okay, well, I need to know if you have hardhorned right now. And the guy, the person will be like, I've got both. I've got both cycles. There are ones that are hard horned. There's ones that have dropped their antlers. Mm-hmm. So it is weird like that. But the peak of their breeding season generally in Texas is late June, 
July, that's when you're going to hear them. And, you know, we call it the roar. Um, and you'll hear them. I mean, and they're fighting and they're cantankerous. Uh, I've seen them go head to head. That's a, it's a pretty awe inspiring thing to watch. Just like any, just like any, any surveyed, right? I mean, we love to watch that stuff. Two males full of testosterone, literally trying to kill each other. But six weeks ago, they were best buds going to the bar and drinking together every night. Yep. Yep. We love that. Now, as far as like exotics go, uh, far as i understand it like free range like so and no pun intended like you literally an elk came over onto your property that's an exotic sorry um, boom no questions game asked. over mm-hmm. what like what all do you have for exotics you got like i i thought at one point maybe giraffes were running around zebras like i didn't know but uh like what's the what's the vibe the main things like in the hill country that you would see running around are going to be um axis deer Black buck, Sitka deer. Uh, I'm sorry, Sika deer, not Sitka. Sika deer. It'd be cool if we had Sitka blacktails running around, but no, it's uh, Sika deer. Um, you're going to see sometimes Audad in certain areas where there's a lot of elevation change, even in the hill country. Like you don't have to go to West Texas to get on a free range Audad hunt. You go to Bandera. I shot one free range in Bandera, Texas. Um, you'll see Red Stag. Uh, I got a buddy who's been chasing one on his, on his low fence deer lease right now. He's got pictures of it all the time. And you think like they've been after this stag for four years. If you're the only one, he got out of a high fence somewhere. If you're the only one and you're not having to fight or breed, you're going to live a long, productive life. It might be a little lonely, but like if the only thing that you're worried about is eating, like this, this animal's going to live forever. Yep. Uh, so you might see those. Let's see. I think like those are probably going to be the most popular. Oh, fallow deer. Um, and I shot a fallow deer in Africa last year. Dan, it was such a cool experience. I've always wanted to shoot one, but in Texas, like a fallow is probably about $4,000. Okay. If you want for a high fence hunt in Africa, 500 bucks. For real? $500. $500. And that was a freaking Western hunt that, like I've got a YouTube through this party uh, company, a video of that hunt. It was like a 470 yard shot high perched up on a mountaintop. We were watching these deer all day hunt for these things. Finally get them on our second with the first stock busted. They winded us. We got on them again. Wait, had to wait for him to come out from where he was bedded. And uh, oh, dude, yeah, loved it. Lots of time on the glass looking at lots of different animals. I mean, and uh, side note, Fallow deer were introduced into South Africa in like the early 1800s because the English settlers didn't like the taste of the wild venison. And they're like, no, we want to have fallow deer. So they put them in a high fence. Those things are out of the high fence in a matter of minutes. And now they're prolific all over the Eastern Cape. Uh, and no so way. Cool yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so you might see some fallow deer. Wow. I did not know that at all. Wow. Yeah. Oryx, they run around there. Uh, scimitar or whatever you call them. Not blessed buck. Scimitar horned oryx. Um, not as common out of fences. They're just such a big in their yeah. And and uh, orange. Like if one was out of a fence, you'd see it pretty easily. Um, but yes, we do have those behind hive. Basically, any exotic uh, ibex. We've got ibex. Sometimes you can run into an ibex that's free range. Lots of sheep species, mouflons, Texas dolls. Those 
I'll be honest with you. Those sheep species don't do anything for me. They're a little too domesticated for my liking. Like, <laughs> I feel that. I feel. Yeah. I feel I'm that. Just, now, what about? I've West? never shot one. I have no interest in it in any of those sheep species. West, 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 Texas elk, elk and mule deer. What do you got? Free ranging elk. No, you don't have to have. All you have to do is have a hunting license. Um, but again, that's expensive because it's going to be on private land. Our mule deer hunts out there recently have, dude. The demand for a guided mule deer hunt since 12 years ago when I started this to where we are today, gone through the roof. Like there, I, I don't think that the supply meets the demand anymore because they've gotten so expensive, like $10,000 for a trophy mule deer hunt. It's a lot. That's ridiculous. I, I think people like myself included have always heard that, like I've seen a few guys go out to West Texas and they're hunting elk. Uh, and then you come, you come to find out like it's an exotic. All you gotta do is have a hunting license. And it's like, Oh my gosh, I need to figure out some, somewhere down there where there's some big ranch where I can get on there. But it's tough to figure that out guys. It really is. I mean, and people have figured out how to monetize it. Don't get it twisted. So that's kind of why I wanted like look at Texas from like a bigger picture and don't like do what I did and rule it out. Uh, especially if you love to hunt on here and shoot a white tailed deer, like on a guided, say three or four day hunt, you could shoot a management buck, like say under 140 inches. So that would be a nice eight or 10 point, a real nice representative trophy of what a white tailed deer should look like for $2,000. So that's not that expensive, right? Like all things considered. Yeah. Yes. 2000, when we're talking about it's relative, $2,000 is a lot of money. We spend that much at Cabela's every year. Like, I mean, you spend that people, you spend $400 on a pair of hunting boots, $2,000 for a great hunting experience. It's not, it's not really un, unfathomable. So, Oh, no doubt. No doubt. In fact, I posted on Instagram, I did like seven or eight slides of my fall hunting, what I spent on tags, license, gas, the mileage, cameraman, how many days I hunted each hunt. I did it and I added it all up. Man, I drove a lot this year. I put over 10,000 miles on my truck hunting. I hunted Nevada, New Mexico, Texas, Arizona, Idaho, and Washington State this year. And I did all the math and I posted what I spent. I don't care. I want people to realize that hunting is expensive. It's a way of life. That's why I talk about side hustles. That's why I talk about budgeting. And I think value, you have to find value. And I see a lot of value in getting to shoot your actual weapon at an animal and take the meat home. And so if you're a public land hunter and you don't have reps, I think that's why we're talking to Cable Smith about Texas. It is very viable. And reach out to Cable, man. Like follow his podcast, listen to some of his guests and reach out to him and just get into the network. Plug into the network of Texas. Everybody in Texas and honestly, my limited reps, it's I would live in Texas if you guys had mountains. Because the culture is so me. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's why I won't leave. And and I've told you, you know, like my favorite week of the year is is going to more your neck of the woods out west and chasing elk with a with a bow. That's my favorite week of the year. But I can't leave Texas just because hey, it's uh June and what's going on? Uh there's feral hogs on my trail camera. And so we're gonna go feral hog hunting. And at any time of the year feral hogs. I know, I know I can go hunting for them. Um, exotics, you know, like how big's your lease that you, uh, have access to right now, like your deer lease. So it's like just over 700 acres and it has a house on it. Um, which is, I mean, I can take my wife there previously. 
I had a thousand acres in Oklahoma, dude, and we had a no water, no electricity, an old camper. Was that the one that got broken into? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I couldn't take my wife there. Like there was rats and mice running around. Like, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, my kids wouldn't enjoy that experience with no electricity. So this is like, it's like luxury. There's a washer and dryer. Mm. We're kind of spoiled, you know? And how many dudes are in on this lease with you? Four and the landowner. The landowner's like, he doesn't give a crap about deer hunting. So really four guys that are like interested in shooting a buck. Uh, We've only killed one this season and there's two really nice ones and there's other mature deer, but I, I would rather just not shoot one. Uh, I'll shoot does if I, you know, for the meat, but I have my heart set on one of these two bucks and I've shot enough white tailed deer at this point that, uh, they don't, they don't do anything. They don't pique my, my interest. So one thing that Chad Allen Jones told me, um, we podcasted best bow hunter, white tail bow hunter that I know Chad for real. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's killed some giant deer. He is a really good storyteller as well. In fact, like he told, like he had a few drinks and told us his, giant texas he like number three in the state number four i don't deer in the studio and i put my hands on that thing when we did an interview and that freaking deer mind-blowing what did it net at like 230 something like i think 235 and change something right in there maybe 233 i don't know but that and that was killed north texas here's another cool thing where we live is archery only there's three counties dallas collin and rockwall counties that didn't have deer hunting from the seventies until about 2015. So they opened it up to archery only. And because of that, the, the deer not being hunted, they were, there was a great age structure, like a lot of old deer. And once again, because it's archery only, not a lot of deer getting killed because it's hard as hell to kill a white tailed deer with a bow. So combine those two things and genetics and we have some phenomenal white-tailed deer hunting. I paid, Dan, $5,000 for 20 acres right here in North Texas. 20 acres. Cost me $5,000. And that's just one year, right? Uh, yeah. And I ended up not renewing it. There was a 180-inch deer that I was playing cat and mouse with all year, but all season. And this was two two years ago. Chad found the place for me. Um, but, you know, neighbors, dogs. And this is kind of out in the rural part of the county like the neighbor's dogs don't live like next door they're like a mile down the road but when you have three labs running around your 20 acres no deer don't tolerate that no um and so and then one day i'm sitting in my tree stand freaking this noise that i don't know what it is i'm just like it's like shh, it'll stop and we shh. and i'm sitting in a tree stand I'm like what in the hell is that on the next literally across the fence from me all the trees are obstructing my view 10 minutes later, a hot air balloon comes flying up right above my tree stand. I video it. I put it on Instagram. I'm like, oh, the joys of urban bow hunting, you know? And uh, a guy sends me a private message. He was like, dude, that was me. I didn't know you hunted there. I was like, he's like, sorry for messing up your hunt. I was like, dude, you didn't, it's not your fault. You didn't mess anything up. I'm, I'm doing the urban bow hunting thing. This is just. That's par for the course. Yeah. But that's the, I mean, I didn't renew it because of those headaches. But there's giant deer, man. And uh, mm-hmm. and Chad was telling us in his awesome deer story, which he ended up telling us on the actual podcast, but it was like he didn't have any couple adult beverages and he tamed it down quite a bit, which is unfortunate. So I heard the best version of it. But dude, I didn't realize the level of secrecy he had. Like people knew about that buck, that 235 inch 
buck. A few people did, but not that many. And then when he shot it, he was deathly afraid to post it because he realized that people in North Texas, like it's cutthroat. They will figure out your truck. They'll talk. They'll find out where, what property you lease. They'll come in with a bigger checkbook and they will lease it out from under you to get into those genetics for the following years. I didn't realize that was that cutthroat. So I might be a bad person for admitting this, but I'm currently trying to pick up 250 acres in Oklahoma. There's no electricity. I would. It's only an hour from the house. So it would be, I would just go there for an all day deal, hunt morning, hunt all day, all day sit. Um, I'm trying to lease it out from under guys right now. Okay. <laughs> like I just, I am like, they're paying, they're paying $3,000, two guys. They're paying 1500 bucks a piece for the deer that I know that are on that place because a buddy, a buddy had permission to thermal hog hunt it. And he told me about the size of the deer that he saw on that property. There's a river that run, runs right through it. So the deer don't stay there. They don't live there the whole time. And some does do. But during the rut, monster bucks going up and down that river looking for, for love. And uh, yeah, it was, I, I called the landowner who he's disenfranchised with the two guys. He's always bitching about his cows. I've hunted. Pro- like, but that's another thing to talk about. If you're whitetail hunting in Texas... 95% of the time, you're going to have cows on the property. So you better just figure out how to deal with it. You want to fence off your feeders, whatever. I recommend it. Or if cows don't bother you. Hell, in Oklahoma, I had trucks, dest- uh, my truck destroyed by horses. Like that, that property I was on. Yeah. They literally ate my truck. Every panel had to be replaced. It was like $4,000. The insurance company was like, do what? And I told them, they're like, okay, well, so they, they, they fixed it. But yeah, you're just going to have to deal with livestock. So these guys are bitching to the landowner nonstop. And he's like, hey, I'm going to give them first round of refusal, but I don't think they want to renew. And I'm just like, well, I haven't made the offer yet, but I'm like, I'm, I'll probably give you four grand for it just to get rid of them. You know, it is yep. cutthroat. It but, is cutthroat. Yep. Uh, does that make me a bad person? I don't, I don't think so. I'm, I just, I want to hunt white-tailed deer. What's the cost? You tell me if I can afford it, I'm, that's what I'm going to do. Black Rifle Coffee Company, established in 2014. Veteran-owned, proudly American. They support two-way, they support hunting, and coffee is life if you're just like me. Head over to BlackRifleCoffee.com, click the coffee club, enter the discount code ELKSHAPE, save 15%, and have fresh, new flavors of coffee delivered to your doorstep every month. Wilderness Athlete. I met the founder in 2006. I've been in love with this company ever since. They make a tremendous amount of products, not only for in the field, but during the off season when you're training and they got you covered when it comes to supplementing your nutritional intake. Look no further than the Hydrate Recover, whether you want to get tubs or the packets, energy and focus, meal replacements, daily strength protein, brute force pre-workouts, caffeine free and with stimulant, altitude advantage, joint advantage, omega-3 fish oil, and a bunch more head over to wildernessathlete.com and if you've never bought anything from them before make sure you enter the discount code elkshape30 to save 30 percent off your first purchase vortex optics proud partner since 2010 everything from rifle scopes binoculars range finders vortex wear and backed with their vip warranty unlimited unconditional you break it they'll fix it veteran owned proudly american head over to vortexoptics.com check out their vortex 
wear, fit for everywhere. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE. Take 20% off your scouting, everyday wear, clothing. And thank you, Vortex, for supporting ElkShape for over 10 years. Onyx Hunt, the number one hunting GPS app. You should join the millions of hunters who trust Onyx, including myself, to find more honey holes, discover new access, and to be confident and know where you stand. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE to save 20% off an elite membership. Get all 50 states, be able to scout from a desktop and your phone. Everything syncs. You can go to 3D mode. Onyx Hunt is the cornerstone to all of my public land hunting success. Check it out at onxmaps.com. Buck Knives out of Post Falls, Idaho. Buck Knives has a wide variety of blade sharpness, lengths, finish, materials, whether they're serrated, carry systems, handle material, engravable, so many different accessories. Buck Knives has been in the game since 1902. They have a forever warranty and they proudly support Elk Shape. We ask that you check out BuckKnives.com and proudly support American-made knives that help you break down your animal in the backcountry. NUMA Outdoors, use the discount code ELKSHAPE20 to save 20% off your clothing. NUMA has base layers, headwear, jackets, mid-layers, outer pants, shirts, and vests. Check out the Pursuit Pant, the Renegade, Quarter Zip, Pullover, the Palisade, Puffy, the Alpha Vertex Jacket, and the sleek lineup of base layers, Base Haven, Quarter Zip, Pullover, as well as Base Haven Pants. Yeah, well, I just didn't know the level, and he did a good job of keeping it pretty secret. I don't think he leases the spot anymore. No, he does. It just does costs he? him more. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Once the landowner um, knew the buck was shot, okay, well, the price of your lease just went up exponentially, Chad. <laughs> Welcome to America. This is called capitalism, not communism. And uh, yeah, no, there was a value there, but uh, yeah, meeting Chad was really cool, man. Great guy. Uh, I just enjoyed being around him. I've hung out with him twice now. And Chad Allen Jones, look him up on Instagram, guys. He's a great follow. Chad and, and helped he's- me find that property. He saw it come up on Facebook. He knew that the deer used that river, the 20 acre place, and they would end up at his dad's place, which his dad only had eight acres. You have to have 10 acres to bow hunt inside the city limits. So he was like, I know the kind of deer that they have to be using that property to get to my dad's property. You should definitely lease it. Not only did he tell me about it, he helped me set up my tree stands. We used Onyx and we, it's only 20 acres, but you still have to say, this is where these are the pinch points. Uh, this is where you need to have a tree stand for this wind. I only had two tree stands on it, one for each wind. Um, but he went, he was there, helped me do the labor, helped me put up the tree stands, walk the property with me. Chad's an awesome dude. And he knows mm-hmm. a lot about killing big deer. Yeah. That dude, he's a wizard. Yeah. So what do you got for elk season 2022? That's where I kind of want to wrap things up and talk about what, like, what's your crystal ball? I'll put in for New Mexico again. And I've found out the beauty of using a, an outfitter number and then, yeah, they have to be with you two days, but you increase your draw odds for a non-resident. Uh, so I will do that. If I do not draw New Mexico, I will end up burning points in Wyoming or Montana. And I have hunted Montana before, got into elk every day, um, but go back to Montana in a heartbeat. So those will be, I don't, I don't have enough points in Utah to, to justify burning those, but, uh, yeah, it'll be one of those three spots and, if all hell, you know, at the end of the day, um, if nothing works out, there's always landowner tags in New Mexico 
that uh, I could fall back on. But I've covered those extensively on our podcast as far as the E plus program. People are pretty educated on this podcast about that, and we'll see if there's any changes there, but I doubt it. Um, all right. Well, you're coming to Elk Shape Camp in April. We're having you come out for whatever day, all the days or whatever you can make with your family. And um, I'm going to make sure you sit, you get time with Joel Turner on the Shot IQ stuff. He will change your life. I mean that literally. And um, it'll be a good time for you to meet Dirk and get connected with the Phelps guys and uh, the e-scouting for you Texas guys with Mark Livesey, uh game changer. And then hanging out the Iron Game Ranch. We got a chef there this year, which is, I feel kind of like that's a little not elk shape style to have like a chef at camp. But I have ate the food this guy's made. He's super cool. Like little cowboy chef guy. We're spoiled. It's, Texas will be like the the ultimate camp with just the destination location. So hope to, yeah, it'll be good to hang out, tell your wife not to get I'll food poisoning it, this man. time so we can hang out longer. And uh, yeah, it'll be good, man. Absolutely. Well, so hey, people, man, I, I appreciate you, you having me on. Definitely. What's the name of your podcast, website, Instagram, people need to get plugged in that don't know about it. So the show you can find on all the places where you listen to podcasts, but the website's LoneStarOutdoorShow.com. Instagram is Lone Star Outdoor Show. You will have to type out the entire thing because of the shadow ban. Like if you don't put in the W, which is ridiculous which for having 140,000 followers, but it is what it is. So you have to type the whole thing out because uh, they've, they've got me censored pretty good. Um, and uh, that's that's pretty much it. Facebook, um, active on there as well, and have a very paltry YouTube channel of a thousand subscribers. So not as active. I know you were telling me I need to get on that, but uh, I did join that other thing though that you told me about locals. Locals. I haven't really delved into it, but I did create an account and am, am going to start trying to utilize that too. I'm glad you mentioned that, guys. If you're listening, like check out our stuff on locals. It's free for you. Um, There'll be opportunities to do more stuff behind the scenes for us as content creators. And there's zero censorship. There's zero ads. And I my crystal ball shows that that's going to be where we're going to have to go to not be censored by big tech. So locals, get up, be an early adopter. Get on there. It doesn't cost you nothing. Check it out. Cool. Thanks for your time, brother. See you in 2022. Sounds good. All right. Stay in touch. And there you have it. That was Cable Smith of the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Appreciate your time, Cable. Until next time, we'll see you at Elk Shape Camp this spring down in Texas. Uh, Elk Shape Camps are pretty much wrapped up, so if you want to get a ticket, you're going to pay full retail. Um, There's a few spots left at each camp. You can learn more, I guess, at elkshape.com. But for those that are signed up, buckle up. We have quite the season in store. Looking forward. That'll be happening here Gosh, we'll leave in a few weeks for our first camp in Wisconsin, and that one is completely sold out, so we're super stoked. Oh, at the end of the show, I guess I should list off a few uh, discount codes since you probably won't read them in the show notes. So, as always, blackovis.com, pretty much anything under the sun, use the discount code ELKSHAPE. It'll take 10% off. Baku e-bikes, $300 off, use the discount code ELKSHAPE. Wilderness Athlete, your first purchase ever. Make it a good one. Discount code ELKSHAPE30 knocks 30% off. Vortex Wear, use the discount code ELKSHAPE, takes 20% off. Onyx Hunt Elite Membership, use the discount code ELKSHAPE, takes 20% off. NUMA Outdoors, some of the new gear. Discount code ELKSHAPE20, takes 20% off. And last but not least, Black Rifle Coffee Company, 
Discount code one-time use. Elk Shape takes 15% off. Use it towards the coffee club. That's my suggestion. And I have COVID right now, if you couldn't tell. But, uh, yeah. Be well out there, friends. Take care of your health. Take your vitamins. Get your vitamin D. Get your vitamin C. Take your multivitamins. Get your rest. Get your sleep. Stay hydrated. Get some, uh, get outside. Get some fresh air. Get some sunlight in your life. Don't take anything for granted. Every day's a gift. I appreciate you all. Your support means the world to me. Separations and the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one.